welcome to the People Around Town Community Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Michael Cropper, and I'm really happy to bring you this podcast. My purpose is to connect with people from all backgrounds and let them share a little of their story. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has a life worth living, and we can all create more joy in our lives. I want to hear other stories so we can learn from each other. If you are interested in sharing about yourself, please go to peoplearoundtown.com and send me a message. In this episode, I got to talking with a woman I met at the grocery store, the Great Basin Community Co-op, and I invited her to be interviewed. We met a couple days later at the art space called The Generator. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rebecca as much as I do. I'm here with Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for talking to me at the grocery store and asking what we, what I was looking for. You're welcome. You're welcome. We, we must thank Tanner. Okay. Well, yeah, but we didn't know about Tanner until like True. afterwards. True. <laughs> so, um, awesome. So, uh, Rebecca, tell me first about the place that we're at. So we're at the Generator in Sparks, close to Reno, and it is a maker space, so uh, a community space where people can come and create art or do computer work, which is what I do sometimes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you give me a tour of it. It's super cool. Like all the tools I ever want, like that I'm ever craving to do different things, they're here. Yes. So yes, that's really cool. So we've been talking for a few minutes, and I want to ask you mm -hmm. to tell me about something you just said. Okay. Your condition for friendship. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? So my condition for friendship is that you always do what's best for you. And the reason why that's my condition of friendship is because then I always get the best of my friends um, when they do what's best for them. And that doesn't mean that they're self-centered or greedy. That just means that instead of trying to navigate or manipulate any situation, which I think we commonly do to rationalize and try to make everything work for everyone, yeah. you just do what's best for you. And then there's no atmosphere of um, resentment or um, feeling like there's not enough giving or receiving or whatever. It's just like, you do what's best for you. I'll honor myself and my emotional and physical needs yeah and i'm an adult and you be an adult and do you over there so have there been times that's been hard is it ever hard to do what's best for yourself yeah yeah definitely we talked a little bit about your upbringing but i was raised catholic i'm one of 11 children and what number i am number four and number four okay <laughs> number four and um i think that yeah, I was raised in an environment where service was not only, you know, part of our faith, but it was, you know, being the fourth oldest of 11 children, seven below me, Yeah, there's a lot to do. And so, um, yeah, I was programmed to not necessarily, in, in Catholicism, it is kind of an ideology of like martyring yourself, so saving sure. others. Sure. So, yeah, sometimes it is hard. To do what's best for yourself. Do you see that, like, with friends, even now in your life, when you make that request and then people maybe have a hard time? Like, do you see that still? Yeah, yeah. I think we all fall into our patterns, absolutely. And I'm not responsible for anyone else's behavior, but I also 
you know, have been around enough to see if somebody's giving more or, you know, and being emotionally mature enough to, to have those conversations in yeah. a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just see that it's very difficult just to be honest mm -hmm. about what's going on inside mm -hmm. and the maturity to be like, okay, this is actually what's best for me. Yeah. And it changes sometimes. That's an awesome yeah. rule to, yeah. I mean, awesome request to give your friends. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we can be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we can be friends too. <laughs> so tell me about yourself. Where where were you raised? I was raised here in Reno, Nevada. Here in Reno, Nevada. Yep, here in Reno, Nevada. I uh, with all my brothers and sisters. And when I was um, 21. I moved out of Reno to a place called Stagecoach, Nevada, and had an organic farm there for about 10 years, and have been back for about four years, maybe five years now, Okay. back in Reno, Nevada. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, you seem very passionate about a lot of things. <laughs> Tell me, what are you passionate about? Oh, I am most passionate about love. And I think that could go in a lot of different ways. Um, I find myself in a space often trying to figure out how best to heal myself of the things that have transpired in my life. Um, and then because I have children, naturally, it's like, okay, they've had some experiences. So just as a human, I'm fascinated by psychology and neuroscience. Okay. And so, um, I have so many siblings. A lot of them have been through a variety of things. My husband had a traumatic brain injury that changed his entire personality in an instant. And so really, um, yeah, I guess it does come back to love, like cultivating in myself enough of a lens to have compassion for all things and a lack of judgment. And so, um, and that's been from a lot of experiences of seeing people go through a variety of things and most people would judge them harshly without knowing their whole story. But we all have lots and lots of stories of things that have happened to us and in mental health, we say, uh, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And so really being able to see regardless of what someone's behavior is that the underlying needs that maybe aren't met or what's driving that behavior, not to say that it's, good, bad, or indifferent, or okay, but to have an, a wider understanding. Yeah. So healing, healing myself and people. Okay. Yeah. How have you cultivated that lens? I know a lot of people, all of us think that we're not judgmental. <laughs> we all say this, right? But how have you really cultivated that lens? Well, so I will say I am judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> I am still human. Um, I would say I've cultivated it by seeing myself in front of myself. And what I mean by that is when I have thoughts of judgment, um, as opposed to building on them, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not really how you feel, you know, and not being negative to myself and not, um, being critical or, um, judgmental back at myself, but just being like, oh, that's, you know, that's not really how we feel. Yeah. Um, and I would say that one of the greatest tools that has helped me to have that lens of like seeing myself in front of myself is breath work, cool. going through some really interesting experiences, like having somebody you really love change in an instant. Okay. Um, I lost my oldest sister to suicide. My mom has 
was mentally ill for most of our childhood. So I, I saw a lot of that. Yeah. And, uh, and then psychedelics and whether it's heliotropic breath work or psychedelic substances, um, those tools of medicine have been vital in me having the progress that I've had. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite, like, breath work techniques? Mm. You said heliotropic. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? So heliotropic breath work is a, it's an exercise where you essentially are taking a lot of sharp inhalations and um, gets you into somewhat of a psychedelic state where people are able to access or people sometimes are able to access trauma that they've experienced and process it in a way that they haven't been able to before. Um, my favorite breath work comes from um, a friend named Hannes who helped develop the Wim Hof method. Okay. And so uh, it's similar to heliotropic breath work where you're taking a lot of sharp inhalations and exhalations. And then after about 50 of those, you hold your breath for as long as you can on the inhalation and exhalation, uh, and then you can keep doing it. But the first time I did it, boy, I was like the highest I've ever been in my whole life. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. And the thing I love about breath work is like the more I do breath work, the more I remember that I have my breath, that no matter what's going on, I can just take pause and like find my breath and take a slow inhalation and exhalation and recalibrate my whole um, either par get into my parasympathetic or sympathetic, depending on what I want to do, I can control that whole system. Okay. Yeah. So I've never done psychedelics. Mm -hmm. um, definitely not opposed to doing it to access, you know, trauma or deeper parts of my brain that I want to heal or mm -hmm. fix. Um, how, but my understanding is it's really important to create a safe environment for any of that work. How do you create a safe environment for for that space? Yeah, so that's a great question. Set and setting, as we call it, is really, really important. And so um, there's a lot of psychedelic science that's come out mm -hmm. in recent years. I mean, there was, there's been a lot going on since like the 40s, but um, the kibosh, you know, was put on it after Timothy Leary. And sure. so recently it's had a huge resurgence. And so, yeah, where you are at... Um, the set and the setting of what you're experiencing is really important. I'm just very much a baby in my practice. And so I can't say that I have any type of stronghold. Mm -hmm. I would say there's a lot of um, traditionally people who use psychedelics, you know, there's a lot of recreational use. And I think just now we're starting to see this uh, resurgence with that science yeah. saying like, Hey, there's a really ceremonial use to these medicines, yeah. very much what indigenous people have done yeah. or since the dawn of time and what we did since the dawn of time, but then right. based on um, Christianity, a lot of those practices were, you know, yeah. mixed out of. Well, and like, for instance, in our minds, in my upbringing, it's okay if a doctor gives you a medicine is like, well, I'm prescribing this, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm very much, I want to heal myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between me going and finding my own thing that works for me or going to a doctor, you know? So, yeah. And so something like that, that's very, uh, it's about intention yeah. and, uh, we get to set our own intentions and, and we, 
we get to take charge of our own lives or our health and our own, you know, mental health. Yeah. So having that freedom, it's one of my values. Yeah. So it's sacred. There's, um, my most intuitive time is like right between wake and sleep in the morning when I'm starting to wake up and it's probably about a year ago now. It was just three words. My mind is always trying to break things down in their smallest, most digestible parts to then get out to other people to like take in or remember myself and then get out into to other people. And it was just three words. And it was like the basis of what makes things really, um, really, a really beautiful life or intention matched with attention and the end result being love. So intuitively we feel something and we choose to give that attention regardless of what our confirmation biases or all our programming says instead of rationalizing our way out of it, we say, okay, I, I trust myself. I'm going to give attention to this thing that I'm feeling. The end result is, in my experience, um, a really beautiful version of love. And whether that's, I like to call it the flow or following the breadcrumbs, like things yeah. tend to just fall into place um, when you choose to honor yourself and say yes to what is inside of you that's guiding your path. Would you agree with the statement that you can only love others as much as you love yourself? Oh, that's a tricky question. So I would definitely say that's a big, like, it's something I really see in other people. Like if I see someone not taking care of themselves, whether that's like friends or, you know, men who want to date me or whatever, it's like, no, you know. And so I would say that there are in a lot of ways that I do believe that. Um, and being raised with so many siblings and seeing a lot of people with low self-worth, I think there's an interesting dynamic where oftentimes we can love people a lot and it's a mechanism to like, not have to work on ourselves. Like this thing we say, Oh, I'm loving you. And so like, I'm taking care of you is actually, I think it's still love. And I think when we're unaware, we are really just trying to love those people, but it's misdirected attention when we really need to like focus on ourselves. And so instead we're not ready to heal this. And so we're like, let's fix you. <laughs> I think that happens a lot. Yeah, it does happen a lot. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> I've been guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, me too. Mm. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, another question I have is, uh, I see that, that you really know how to find community. Mm. Is that true? <laughs> or create community? Which, that, which one is it? And where do you find it? Or who yeah. It? Okay. I would say that is true. Um, I love bringing people together. And I don't know exactly what cultivated this inside of me or if it's genetic or whatever. But um, people will often call upon me like, hey, do you know somebody who does this? because I tend to be the person in the community who knows everyone mm -hmm. or who knows many people. Um, how do I bring together community? How do you question? create it or how, how do, do you, you find it? Community? Either one. Ooh, 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 ooh. So I think community is something that you can find inside of yourself. But I think before we mature to that place where we're like, Oh, I'm some, some of that about finding it inside yourself. I want to understand that. Yeah. So, uh, how do you, how do you create community inside of yourself? Yeah. yeah tell me about that. Okay. Well, um, 
I think really getting to know yourself. And I would say that it wasn't until I was, um, my oldest daughter I had when I was 19, I got married when I was like 22. And so for so much of my young, um, adult life, when I think you come into finding yourself and knowing who you are, um, was really taken up with caring for other people and children and stuff. And so once I left my marriage, um, there was actually time where like, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a farm anymore and I could just go out and be by myself and being raised with so many siblings, you don't really have a lot of alone time and I'm super gregarious. And so for a long time, um, it was like, Oh, I love being with people. So I want to be with people. And the more that I like started spending time with myself, I was like, Oh, I really love spending time with you yeah. <laughs> as in myself. And so for me, it was finding out what I really like and doing simple things like making myself tea or taking myself to go sauna or whatever, like doing these things or, um, yeah, cultivating like a relationship with myself, um, that I didn't ever even know was a thing. Cause it's not something I saw modeled from my parents. Um, it wasn't doing something with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some things that stand out? Like first times you did such and such with yourself? Oh, I took myself hiking and okay. like getting to the top of, and it wasn't any serious hike, just like hiking up the top of a hill around here. Yeah. Um, and just sitting there and being like, wow, okay. I can just sit here going through like, oh, I'm bored. What, what I want someone else here with me, you know, and just like kind of sitting with myself. Yeah. Um, Another one is I started taking myself to Sierraville Hot Springs. And at first it was like, oh, I'm here by myself. There's other people with other people. And so there were times where I was like, oh, maybe, you know, I'll try to talk to someone. And then I, and then <laughs> I quickly learned like, oh no, I really just like being here by myself okay. and not In talking to anyone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so those are some of the highlights. I also like, I took some long road trips by myself, not long, like a few days. Um, and just, yeah, fully being able to depend on myself and be like, yeah, I love camping in my car. I love this. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I went to a movie by myself Ah. and I was actually so happy. <laughs> yeah. I think there were moments that came in, like I should be with somebody and I let, I saw them, I recognized them and I let them pass and my happiness came back, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I have some of those experiences too. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I remember uh, backpacking by myself for the first time, mm -hmm. backcountry, just sleeping out there. And, like, I felt so happy. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Crazy. It, it, you know, we have to get to that place. <laughs> yeah. It's nice because, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's a space of no expectation. You know, there's no. Yeah. yeah for me, it's like, oh. I know exactly what you want. I know how to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is going to turn out great. <laughs> yeah. So that being the first step to community is community in myself. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, okay. I was, I was able to build community a lot before that, before okay. I realized that I think that part of it is like being a being an outgoing person who is a helper is the key to creating community. And so, okay. um, the one part that I'm not great at that I'm working on getting better at is also being somebody who's willing to ask for help. So, um, 
last year we had Trekkie Meadows Earth Day and it was like the traditional Earth Day celebration had been canceled. And so I was like, perfect, let's put on our own event. And so I emailed like a hundred people to say, hey, who wants to come play? And what I found is like we created a family, a community in planning and executing this event. And so community also, what I've learned is like allowing everyone to have their own place to be expressed if they want it. Um, but also there, it's like any good relationship or any good family. It's like the ability to um, have checks and balances, how to have um, communication that's open and honest. And that's not always the case. So also having lots of grace and just recognizing like, hey, I'm not perfect and neither are you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but being willing to have difficult conversations if things aren't working for that community. But like having a project or some sort of goal that you're working on, um, and it doesn't have to be work, but I found that's like a really awesome way to create community is because then you have this thing that you're working towards that creates all this really incredible energy. And I've also learned that when that's over, there's like a huge sense of loss. And so it's also like, okay, how do we, how do we keep bringing the family together to do, uh, what's the next goal? Right. What's the next goal? What's the next project? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes just for the sake of the community, that's going to happen by getting behind a worthwhile project. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, this is all really, really awesome. I wish I knew all these things when I was like, you know, a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But what, I mean, we could And I'm know still them. learning them. <laughs> and I think even I, the thing that... I don't have any like regrets because there's, I see it in my children. Like you yeah. can't be told much, like you have to touch the oven and get burnt. Yeah. Right. People can tell you, they can give you advice yeah. and it doesn't really stick a whole lot. It's having life experience right. is the ultimate teacher. Sure. <laughs> sure. But definitely we could be growing up with a different model. For yeah. Certain. Yeah. Our models could really help. Yeah. I have friends who are raised in like super functional households and I'm like, oh, that's how it's done. <laughs> oh, okay. And that's what the results are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What does a functional household look like to you? Oh man. You know, I think just where it's filled with love is a functional household. Communication. Communication. Yeah. Where people are not, um, where people are able to communicate and the end result is not like this power struggle of people trying to control each other, but people yeah. who are mature enough to, they're like, you do you, I'm going to do me and let's mm -hmm. have a happy family together yeah. and let's have fun and create joy in this life. Realizing the only real control is what I have over myself, yep. you know, yep. and sometimes that, that's even perceived. Complex <laughs> set of chemical reactions. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the only, that's the only thing I can truly take care of yes. is myself. I can do things to try and help other people out too. Yeah. But the only thing I can truly take care of is myself. Yeah. And uh, I can't read other people's minds, you know. <laughs> well, sometimes I'm pretty good at it, but I, I'm always going to be wrong. There's always going to be error in yes. my projections, right? Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. Cool. Yeah. What brings you the most joy in your life? Ooh. Or, or how do you find it, you know? Yeah. I, the thing that brings me the most joy in life is the interconnectedness with all of creation that I feel and experience most all of the time. 
and I would say the the actions that I do to cultivate that that bring me a lot of joy are I do sweat lodge most every Friday um, and that that practice of just like setting aside several hours to pray is really powerful for me and what else do I do to that sounds joy? Yeah. that sounds life-changing it's be able great to be in a sweat lodge every Friday yeah, it's really good. And I don't do it every Friday. Like, I'm going to go camping this weekend, right, so right. I won't be there. But it's another community to take part in, and it's just super reverent. And I love, I mean, reverence is the name of my game. <laughs> it's just honoring things uh, as we go along and having a sense of gratitude. And that couple hours is great practice, if nothing else, you know, of being in a place and just thinking about the people or the things and all that you want to ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think, uh, I think gratitude really is reverence. Mm. Right. Yeah. Like it seems at its core, that's really what reverence is, is just that deep sense of gratitude. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything more reverent. Than mm. that. <laughs> I mean, rever I mean, you used to think of reverence being like, quiet right but that's not what it is you know right. reverent can be it's full like of joy and yeah, just like, like this... yes yeah yeah that's awesome i love your answer thank, thank you. you so much for that <laughs> you're welcome um is there anything else like if you could tell people something like what do you have a soapbox <laughs> oh my gosh oh i will say yeah something that we touched on that it's not a scary thing to get to know yourself and to cultivate things inside of yourself. And we're raised in a world that's constantly telling us, oh, well, look at what that person's doing or look at what that person's doing. And I think that we are the greatest example. Like if we want anything to change, the greatest thing we can do is to change ourselves. And then people see that change inside of ourselves and they're attracted to it. You know, they're like, what is that person doing? Um, so more than anything else, and it's something that I did for a long time is like trying to fix everything around me. And still in a lot of ways I do. I mean, my work does, does take me to a lot of those things, but they cultivating like doing and learning and growing and knowing yourself is not scary. And there's some really wise words that a really dear friend said, um, which was, there are a thousand things you could do to prepare for any given situation, but there's really only one thing, which is a strong desire matched with a willingness to ride the edges of discomfort. And from there, all things will always fall into place. And so any type of change is uncomfortable. Anything that we want to do that's different from our normal pattern of behavior, biologically, our body tells us not to do it but it's knowing that that's just a biological response that kept us alive and from getting eaten by saber-toothed tigers yeah. and saying i know this thing that i want to change is good for me and so i'm going to do it and as soon as you ride that edge of discomfort it, you're only there for a few moments maybe maybe yeah. not even you know 20 minutes before you're over it and then you have this beautiful new beginning and this new habit that you started that is so good. And so, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, we only make it to be scary. It's not scary. Yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love that. We make up a lot of our fears that we just don't need to be afraid of. (sighs) Definitely true. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting me interview you. It's been like, it's been inspirational to listen to you. (laughs) You're very welcome. That's it for this episode of the People Around Town Community Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes, love it, leave a review, or go to peoplearoundtown.com and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Have an awesome day.